everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, sharing with you inspiring conversations with ordinary folks leading extraordinary lives. And since most people are at home right now, instead of a new conversation every two weeks, I'm going to upload weekly. And I hope you enjoy the extra inspiring conversations. Today, I am talking with Catherine Tristan. Catherine Tristan is a research scientist and assistant professor of medicine on the faculty of Washington University School of Medicine. She studies our biological immune system and the psychological immune system, which I'm looking forward to learning more about. The psychological immune system represents the thoughts and feelings that are meant to protect us. She's a prolific writer with more than 300 articles in leading scientific or lay publications. And she's written two self-help books, Why Worry, Stop Coping and Start Living, and Anxiety Rescue, Simple Strategies to Stop Fear from Ruling Your Life. Very, how shall I say, very pertinent topic right now. Her passion is speaking and writing about how to focus our minds to overcome worry and anxiety using simple and easy tools of the mind, body, and spirit. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi, Janine. I'm, I'm very well. I hope you are too. Yes, yes. I consider myself very lucky to be living out in the country where I can be outside most of the time and continue living as I normally would. I, I just, I can't even imagine being in an apartment in the city right now. Must be difficult. I'm sure. Yeah, I live in the suburbs, actually, so probably a few more people than you, but uh, not as bad as some. Oh, good. Good for you. Yeah. Do you get out and walk? And Absolutely. I have a little doggy, uh, Carly, who's a, a year old, <laughs> and a uh, little rescue, sweet as as anything, very affectionate and cuddly. Awesome. And I try to, try to get her outside uh, for a couple of times a day to, to take a little walk. Oh yes, I was just talking to my dog actually before we started, and I told her <laughs> I told her we would go for a W A L K. <laughs> yes, I only spell it too if I don't want to actually do it. <laughs> I actually, I think she knows anyway. She's pretty smart. <laughs> when I um, uh, I went to Costa Rica just before all of this happened. I got back in the country like two days, you know, before everything locked down, and. Before I even pulled out the suitcases, because usually when I pull out the suitcases, she knows what's happening. But I think I was thinking so much a couple of days before about, you know, what am I going to take? How am I going to pack? You know, what, you know, where, what I'm going to be doing that she knew something was up and she would not leave my side. And <laughs> I love her dearly, but she was underfoot 24 <laughs> seven. And you have to be so careful because uh, Carly does the same thing. She'll follow me around. And if I'm not careful, I could, you you know, trip over her. Or right, so, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love them to pieces, but yes, you got to be careful. <laughs> so, okay. Our topic, worrying. This is a very timely topic. And, you know, we're going through a scary time right now. It's fraught with so many unknowns. A lot of people are in isolation. People are worried. They're anxious and they're unclear of you know, their current and future situations, what's going to happen? We just, we really don't know. Um, it's just, everything is so unknown right now. So I wanted to 
connect with you about how do we stop coping and how do we start living? How do we get out of this fear and worry? You know, what can people do to help themselves? But before we start that, I'd like to find out how you got interested in all of this. Well, it's not just academic for me. Obviously, as you said, I'm a scientist at WashU. I study the immune system. Mm-hmm. And I, when in my younger years, I actually started in college. I was studying and just overstressed by everything and really had few coping tools, I would say, that, that were pretty good. And so one, one time I, I just started feeling terrible and completely afraid and and my heart was racing out of my chest. And mm. I found out later that was a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And so I actually struggled with that for a number of years afterwards because I never wanted to have another one of those things again. So it ended up starting to restrict me because I would start avoiding things that I was afraid maybe would cause me to have anxious feelings. Mm. And so my my life became more restricted. And so finally, I wanted to get better. And I had tried some therapy, tried approaches. And what I found was that when I put the tools together from a mind, body, and spirit, then I was able to to overcome this problem. And, and since then, um, I've decided I wanted to write about it because there are simple ways you can do it, things that I never knew about. And I think the more that we know about how our minds are operating, um, it, it could help overcome worry and stress, anxiety, and really any problem if you can put your, your, your mental focus on what is going on and try to 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 improve that mm-hmm. situation. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. Is I I wrote the book because I discovered a simple way to work from inside out to to change how you think and, and feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love on your email you have a little a little quote. Our thoughts create our lives. Choose wisely. I thought that was great. I like that. Yeah, that's my whole feelings about how you can approach any problem, really, because things are internal. All of our stresses are internalized. And so learning to guide yourself into better, more proactive thoughts and dealing with your attitude, uh, all those things will help you. So, yeah, that's my go to whenever I especially whenever I want to try to remember to get back to square one. Hmm. Well, I know that from my experience and from, you know, studying neurolinguistic programming and all kinds of different things that that the outside, you know, the things, the people that are irritating us in some way are not causing our, I'll say, negative feelings. We're causing those feelings, but they're triggering them. But but we can choose to think differently. I know in general, It's not a problem for me, but I have a few things that I myself, I just, I have trouble with it. I, I know, I, I, you know, I know the theory, I know what I should do, um, but boy, it's, you know, it can be a challenge. Well, some of these are really hurt places. And so it's, you can't really just talk yourself out of things. Uh, You have to, you work from the feelings and, and, and also the messages that represent what is going on with those hurt or or stuck places. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it's a work in progress. I think all mm-hmm. of our lives are a work in progress, and we're stuck in certain places and we improve in others. But uh, I guess it would be too boring if we were just 
Perfect. And so we, we all have room to uh, improve. <laughs> you know, I think that's, I think what you just said is really, really important that our lives are a work in progress. Because sometimes I think when we feel stuck, it's, we're stuck. And, you know, instead of focusing on the past, instead of focusing on what has been, move forward and find way, different ways to to heal and to repair things, whether it's physically or mentally or psychologically or emotionally. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're always going to have problems. But to me, it's how quickly do you bounce back? Mm-hmm. Uh, how how resilient are you? I mean, I was upset with, with the uh, COVID crisis, too. And it was something that I had never dealt with. And, and, and it took me a while to, to bounce back. But I did. And I think partly what I like to uh, help people with is getting the tools that helps you bounce back, have you recognize how your mind is working so that you can, because so much of what we do is, is automatic and on autopilot. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, bouncing back is, is a, is an, uh, the most important thing when you have problems like this. Right. So where would you like to start in helping people to bounce back? <laughs> well, to me, the most important thing or getting back to square one is appreciating how your mind is working. Most of the time we are, as I had said before, we're on autopilot. And during especially this time of uh, all the stresses and worries and uncertainties that we're, in, we're, we're experiencing, what our go-to a lot of times that we don't know about is what I call terribleizing. So mm-hmm. we make or catastrophizing. And yep. the thing is, we do this so automatically that it, it's meant to be a protection. And this is what the psychological immune system is trying to do. The uh, biological immune system protects you with antibodies and killer proteins and cells that attack viruses and bacteria. But the psychological immune system uses thoughts, and those thoughts are coming to us as if on a conveyor belt. But the more we pay attention to the thought, our psychological immune system gives us more of those same thoughts. So then you get a conveyor belt going faster and faster with these types of uh, negative thoughts and unhelpful ones. And what was meant to help protect us gets out of balance. It's like a seesaw. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's what we're dealing with now is a lot of people are just on stress overload. And what we need to be doing is learning how to turn those negative thoughts around, use the ones that are helping because that's what it's designed to do, but then learn to what I call possibilize or find positive possibilities that you know, all is is not over. All is not the worst possible thing to happen. We'll find a way around this. Mm-hmm. So, so getting off of terribleizing is to me square one. First, hear it, and then help find some tools, which which I have a lot of in my book, and and you probably have in your own life how to retool those thoughts. But first, by become aware of them, hear them, and then turn them around. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think it's. It's very difficult to come up with creative solutions when you're stuck in this, I call it like a vicious cycle. It just keeps, it, it just keeps perpetuating itself. And that is, a, to me, the greatest power that we have is, is awareness and choice because we feel, we feel like we're stuck. And if we 
agree to be stuck, then we we can't really get out of that. It's like spinning your wheels in mud. Mm-hmm. So by becoming aware that you actually do have a choice and working on yourself, however hard that is, then you can learn to get out of the, the quagmire that we're in. And you don't seem like you have any choices. You actually do. And no one can really, I think what you were alluding to before, no one can make you feel bad unless you agree with that. So we need to perk up some of our defenses and and work on our own self-defense and our own self-nurturing to help us through these uh, very challenging times. Mm -hmm. So what are what are some of the things that Okay, so let's say someone is they've become conscious, aware uh, that they're worrying, that they're spinning, that they're stuck. What are some of the things that you would suggest to help them get out of that and move forward? So there's a lot of things that you can do. One of the things is develop uh, ahead of time almost something that you find comforting, some some phrases, uh, affirmations that you find helpful that you can repeat and program your mind when your mind is, is dragging you down that negative conveyor belt. My mother uh, was this divorced parent of five kids back when it was very difficult in particular to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so she would, she would say, this too shall pass. And I heard that quite a lot because mm-hmm. she had five kids and was a single parent. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, find what's true for you. This too shall pass. I'll handle it is a good one too, because part of what we're dealing with is the fear that we can't handle this or this will overwhelm us. I'll figure it out. I'll handle it. And I think one of the things that you can do then is to reprogram how you're thinking. Stop it in its tracks with some of these phrases. One of the things that I recommend if you find your mind is is running away is something I call the stop, look and listen method. Mm-hmm. As, as soon as you see that conveyor belt is going down, you know, with an incredible and uh, very fast number of negative thoughts, just picture in your mind a stop sign or even say out loud or to yourself, stop, you know, stop. This is not how I want my mind to, to try to be helping me right now. And then if you feel so anxious and you finally say stop, then you need to get back in the present moment. You need to look around the room. You can see, you know, what do I see in this room? What colors do I see? What objects do I see? What do I hear? So get back into the present moment because most of what we fear is about a potentially scary future. Right. So bring, bringing back to the, to the present moment and then listen. So that was stop, look, and now listen to more compassionate dialogue, something that you would maybe tell your a friend if they were having a hard time. And as I said, those phrases that you maybe think about ahead of time and pull out when you need to, that stop, look, and listen, that can stop a very scary, bad moment and quickly get you more centered. Mm-hmm. So one quick way is is just that way. Other things that you, you know, there are lots of things you can do. I was kind of in a bad mood this morning. It was raining and, and Carly, who's a year old, is very active. And so she <laughs> was running around the house and I'm trying to actually write something about the immune system and COVID for work at home type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so this was not working this morning. So I said, you know what, let me just stop. I'm not going to get in, in a bad mood. I'm going to use my own tools. And so I took her for, for a walk and it was rainy. It stopped raining. And I swear when we started walking, the sun came out. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. <laughs> I go, okay, this is now working. So it put me in a, in a better mood. Then we took a nice long walk. And then by the time we got back to our street, it was starting to drizzle again. So I just said, okay, go with the flow is the idea. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I totally turned myself, uh, my mood around by not resisting when there was an issue, but figuring out a way to get around it. And so that was good for both of us. She's tired and sleeping now, and I'm not in a bad mood. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect example of something that I think is very important in life, period, but especially right now is flexibility. So you were showing flexibility that, you know, it wasn't (laughs) working for you. So you took it, you were flexible, and you decided to do something different. And part of making the choice that you are worth nurturing and you are worth solving a problem and and not letting it perpetuate is that you need to change your outlook on on things. And it's like one of the things that a lot of us who have worry or anxiety or even stress are we're perfectionists. You know, we want it to be this way and we don't want the house to be in total chaos. (laughs) Tell me about it. And sometimes you have to give in to the chaos. You know, uh, you might have a perfect house, but it also could mean the kids have grown up and gone away. Pluses mm-hmm. and minuses there, I have to say. But yeah. anyway, um, so being being perfectionistic is sometimes putting unrealistic expectations on you and you're very prone to feeling more stress when you're very perfectionistic. So backing off of that is is a big help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm raising my hand because, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going around the house and picking up after everybody. I'm like, I'm not the effing maid. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm finding that's hard to let go of. And yet, you know, to, to say one thing, I don't think you necessarily have to let go of that, too. I think that, okay, we have to become accustomed to a little more chaos than we normally uh, have to experience if you're, you're quarantining or in place with a family or kids or others. But I also think it's an opportunity to communicate better. So instead of, you know, getting angry about something, the antidote to anger, in my mind, is cultivating clarity. Mm, I like that. I like that. Let's let's discuss that a little bit. I think that's a sure. really good point. Well, we all get angry. And instead of saying something like, you're such a jerk, why do you leave your socks, you know, laying around the house or put the seat down for Pete's sake. But the the idea of cultivating clarity instead of getting angry is to express your emotions in a way that helps by sending I messages is one way. I, you know, when you did this, I felt is, is a good way because instead of, you know, telling them there, you are this, you're trying to get communication portals open. And another good thing, aside from starting with I, when you, I, another thing is like, I'm sorry that. That isn't apologizing. That's saying, I'm sorry that we ha- we're having this disagreement, but you know, I, when you, I felt. So Mm -hmm. there are practical ways of getting a conversation going. And maybe we, sometimes you need to have a family meeting to express how you feel, but hopefully in a productive way, because maybe you need to be the, the leader of the pack here in terms of not letting everybody get away with things that they know they shouldn't. Maybe they need that structure. Mm-hmm. So communicating, very important. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you made a very good point there about when you are communicating your, your frustration and your 
probably a little angry, but to talk about how you're feeling as opposed to you're doing this, you're doing that, which I mean, this is all stuff I know, but I've forgotten. Um, So thank you for the (laughs) reminder (laughs) to express how it's making you feel, because I think people can relate better to that than being put on the offensive. Well, and you actually are, are potentially a leader, too. You are uh, have the ability to teach others, whether it's younger kids or whether it's your partner. If you can center yourself, come from, come from a place of love and communication, then you can be the leader to hopefully inspire them to also adopt that type of behavior as well. So it's it could be a win-win situation. It's just sometimes when you're in the heat of it, it's very difficult. But if you can back off a little bit, get your head straight, then then it really helps, uh, especially in a setting such as this when we're all thrown in together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a few deep breaths never hurt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Always a good idea. Deep breathing is something you may have to do a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so that was a good little little tact we took there. I wanted to talk about worry, future and present, because if we're worrying, I think it's important, what, what you said has made me think of this, to differentiate between, am I worrying about the present, like I don't have enough money to buy food, uh, or am I worrying about the future, which I can't control, and we have no idea what's going to happen. So to worry about the future is pretty futile, really. If you're worrying about the present, um, then you can stop and think about what can I do right now? That is absolutely perfect because the whole point of, of this is to focus on what can I do, not what can't I do. I would love to be going to say kayaking on a beautiful Crevecore Lake, which is nearby with a sunny day. Well, I can't for a lot of levels, uh, uh, a lot of reasons. And so focusing on what I can do is important. Now, there are a lot of uncertainties and, and we need to think about, obviously, and see how we can plan for the future. The good side of worry about the future is if it helps us be proactive and solution oriented. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to talk to a financial person if we can see, well, you know, we're not working or we're cut back on our salary and we need to figure this out about our bills. I mean, you may need to bring some experts in to discuss things. So being proactive is different than just blindly worrying without a potential solution. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there isn't a real solution that's uh, foreseeable, and that's when acceptance comes in. What can I do now? What do I need to accept because I just can't do anything about it? And I think that's the important thing. Uh, I remember, this is not COVID-related, but I remember one time I was driving to a grocery store, and I saw this uh, gal coming back with her grocery cart and heading toward her car. And so she was very, had a very unstable gait and was, I wasn't sure if I should go over there and try to volunteer to help her with Mm -hmm. the groceries out of the bag. And uh, I wasn't parked so close to her, but when I got out and started walking over to her, she had already put the groceries in the trunk and put the cart back and started driving away. And I looked at her car and her license plate said, can do. (laughs) And I thought, 
you go, girl, you know. <laughs> She's not saying, why did this happen to me? This is not fair. There's so many things I can't do. She said, can do. So that's that to me was a real message from the other side about focus on what you can do. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Work on solutions, but become a, a can-doer who is at least willing to try. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, something that just came to me because I... I uh, oh, I think it was yesterday I was reading that a, a lot of people are just not paying their mortgages and they're worried now and really stressed about what's going to happen. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be better to contact your mortgage company and talk to them about it first and see what some of the options are? Because then you don't have to be all stressed and worried about your actions. Being proactive is perfect. That's a perfect idea. For a number of people, in order to keep their jobs, they're taking a reduced salary, right? Mm-hmm. So to keep the job, other people just have lost it, or some people are furloughed and can get uh, the, some stimulus payment. So there's all kinds of different things going on. But if that were to happen to me, I would, as you suggested, consider calling the mortgage person and say, listen, I'm taking a 10% pay cut. How about if I, what can, what are my potential options? If you get someone who, who is, um, helpful, which a lot of them are going to need to be, then maybe you can come up with some type of solution. But I think we're going to see many solutions needing to be to be derived. And I think that we don't know what they all will be yet. Things are still in process. But but doing what you can do, we can always make that phone call and mm-hmm. have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a perfect example because I I forget what was going on, but um, I always pay my credit card on time and I was late and I had charges. So I called and uh, I was talking to the guy and finally he said to me, he said, so what do you want? And I said, (laughs) and I said, well, I want the charges taken off. And he said, thank you. He said, I can't suggest that, but you can ask me and I'll do it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it was funny because he goes, okay, so what do you want? No, he said, what would you like? What would you like? He, you know, he's trying to coach me to tell him, yeah, I want these charges. I, I just, I want them taken off. And he was like, sure, no problem. But he said, you have to ask. He said, I can't suggest it to you. That's a fabulous story because maybe what we, if we come up with an idea, what can we do instead of waiting for the bank to come up with something, what can you do? They don't know your individual situation. Can you skip two payments and then start up? Can you pay half payments for the next six months? Um, You know, really, you could think based upon what you said is think about what is a potential solution? What would be a win-win situation instead of uh, going bankrupt, instead of letting them repossess the house, which they could potentially do, but they have a lot of people in the same boat. What would work out for you? And then maybe that would be something to consider. Mm -hmm. Or even suggest, I was reading that, I don't know if they're going to try to put this into one of the bills or something, but it, for people who can't pay their mortgage instead of, uh, I, cause I think some mortgage companies were saying, well, you're going to have to have this huge balloon payment, which nobody's going to be able to pay if they can't pay their mortgage on a monthly basis instead to tack those months onto the end of the, the mortgage. So say you can't pay your mortgage for six months, your mortgage will be extended for another six months at the end. 
And that's just the kind of idea that, you know, banks uh, or mortgage companies um, should be coming up with, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a great idea. Put it on the tail end. And if if uh, later you end up having a, a bit more money, you can always make maybe double payments to reduce things right. down. Right. But but right now, the idea is to survive the difficulty that we have with money or with jobs or lack of and find ways that you could think maybe would help solve that problem. And, and I like that idea. I mm-hmm. think uh creatively figuring out your finances would be a big help for lots of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you've got to, most of the time, you've got to come up with a suggestion. Yeah. They're not going to. I mean, I remember years ago, I called my credit card company and I asked to have the interest amount lowered and they did. I think people do that all the time. I even had my my daughter mention to me that she was ready to cancel that cable, just too expensive. And, and so she called them up and they said, well, Tell you what, we'll lo- for for the next year we'll give you this special, and we'll throw in this Showtime or HBO or something like that. So I've done that before. Yep, and they've they've said, "Oh, we've got this special going. I can I can uh, I can give you this special." I said um, to my son, "I don't know how he got so smart, but I'm very impressed with him. He will call credit." card companies and say this this annual percentage rate is just too high i'm going to cancel this card and so they will invariably lower the the annual percentage rate and if they mm-hmm. don't then get another credit card mm-hmm. but so they're you know i think people companies are willing to work with you, but they're not necessarily willing to give it away. Right. You have to ask or be proactive. And again, that's find out what you can do and be proactive about it. Be creative. See, see what you can get. Right. And often it's, you know, it's one step at a time. I think often when we, we look at the whole picture, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Okay, what can I do right now? What's one thing I can do? And then when you do that, then you can go to the next thing and the next thing. Or I love writing things down because I really like crossing them off after. <laughs> I'm a list maker too. <laughs> and, and sometimes I forget to put it on my list and I've done something. I go, oh, I'm, I put it on anyway after I've done it so I can cross it off. <laughs> so I can cross it off. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the same way. I don't know if I should admit that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it's very concrete when you do that. It makes you feel like you've accomplished something. And, you know, there's something to writing things down. If you are a a worrier, instead of letting it loop around your head and just make you feel stressed or headachey for no reason, it helps to write down your thoughts. Maybe a couple of times a week for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just put it on paper. Sometimes that's a big help. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done this in, in the past is that I had heard once that if you say you are right-handed, if you're trying to figure something out, ask a question and then write with your left hand what you think you are hearing or what you feel. Oh, interesting. It's, hmm. I've done that before, and it may be a little hard to read, but I think that I've gotten some clarity before when I've done that. So mm-hmm. writing whether with your dominant hand or your non-dominant hand, if you want to ask a question or focus on a problem, those are concrete ways that, that you can help yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, oh, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier about looking around the room, because I know I've used stop and sometimes stop works for me and sometimes it doesn't, but I forgot about, and maybe it was an NLP thing, I can't remember, but 
to stop your worrying is to look around the room and Buddha painting, um, glass ball, uh, blue wall, uh, piano, harp, uh, lamp, you know, and just name things like that. And that, that will really work to stop that spinning. Totally, because you're actually getting into the the cognitive part of your your brain, your the, the thinking part, not the emotional part that's that's uh, getting out of whack. Mm-hmm. So doing that and, and saying things too. I mean, I love your podcast, keeping it real. That's one of my sister's favorite saying is to herself, <laughs> like, "All right, all right, keep it real, keep it real," or she'll say. Okay, next channel, please. You know, so, <laughs> so she is like, you, we were, we're talking to ourselves, we're doing these tools internally, looking around the room, concentrating on the present moment, but also supporting yourself through these difficult times and, and keep it real as a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I, I know sometimes when I'm, I'm writing my newsletter, I'm like, okay, I have to be authentic here. I can't, you know. <laughs> That's annoying sometimes, but I tell that to myself, like, if you're going to talk about this, you better be authentic, lady. So, uh, yes, uh, it it keeps us in check. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, also maybe writing down, now that we're talking about writing things, writing down what is a fact that you know. If you're worrying about something in the future, is that a fact? You know, it, it hasn't even happened yet. But what are the things that you know to be true? And then maybe even do another column of what are the things that I'm just worrying about that I, I don't even know if they're going to happen or if they're true. That's absolutely a, a very good suggestion, because even in, in my book, I I wanted to have not just write about things, but have ways to implement that into your life. And I, what I would have is one column that says, I'm worried about, and my thinking is telling me, and I guess that'd be thinking and or emotions. And then the, the third column would be, how can I possibilize? In other words, how can I be proactive? What solutions could I come up with? And even if it ends up not being the solution you end up with, the whole point and what you're talking about and I'm talking about is get it out of that looping brain that is worrying or stressing about it. Find some possibilities and focus on what you might, what you can do about something. So again, it goes back to to doing some self-work and uh, self-growth, actually, and it, writing things down. It does help. It certainly does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know we do always have a choice. And however, I think sometimes people are in such a stuck place that they don't feel like they have a choice. Say, for example, a woman is in an abusive relationship. She has children. She doesn't have uh, a, a way to earn money. So she feels like she has to stay in the relationship, that she doesn't have any choice. Now we know she does have choices, but you know, how, how can, you know, something like that, how can she get out of that? So that's a difficult situation. And one of the things she may not be able to, depending on her, on her situation, to do it alone. Mm-hmm. That might be a time when you actually look for uh, a counselor, um, someone who can, who's been through that, uh, a women's shelter mm-hmm. where you can talk to someone about it. Just get out and talk to someone because those are hurt places that sometimes it's harder to get out of yourself and you might need some 
some help with that. But the, the, the whole idea is, is that to, to recognize in maybe small ways, maybe you can't get out of that situation immediately. Maybe you need to start doing other things that actually show you can have a choice. In other words, turn some things around in your mind by choosing to do so. It doesn't have to be all at once. Taking small steps into choosing to feel differently about something, and then maybe that will build over over time because then you get experience that you were never never had before in your life that you actually are, are not a victim. You can help yourself, or you can get someone or some organization to help you. So small steps instead of just the end result build into a stairwell of of going into more empowerment by trying tackling things a little at a time. So let's talk about like a lot of people have lost their jobs. And I think that one of the things that tends to happen, people are at home, they lose their routine. And to me, I think it it's, and, and I see this with, with the boys, you know, they're up till all hours. In fact, I think I just heard one just get up. It's almost two o'clock. <laughs> You know, they're up all night They're, you know, there's no, there's no routine to help keep things organized and stable. And, you know, they're eating at all weird hours. And I just think that that adds to the stress if you don't have some kind of routine. Absolutely true. I mean, even there've been scientific studies to show that people do better, people do better with a routine. And whether it's you or uh, the, your kids, it is better to have some, I, I think of it as this, find the sweet spot between routine and, and variety. So you need to have the routine, get up, get dressed, take a shower and do your studies or whatever you need to do or a person maybe work from home or do some exercise. But trying to build a routine is actually therapeutic. It helps you be in your natural state. Most of the other days before this happened, we had a routine and mm -hmm. we stuck with it and there was some comfort in that routine. But we also don't want to become just stuck in one way. We need to have some flexibility, had some variety that's also fun. So there, there is a definite sweet spot between routine and variety. But as a parent, sometimes you just want a break, I'm sure. And just, you know, whether to, you're going to have a little, uh, a fight or a disagreement about trying to get them into a routine. Sometimes it's easier just to let them do those things, but mm -hmm. then they are not happy. And so it, it actually will help them again, maybe a family meeting to discuss some issues or to lay down the law if that's necessary too, because it is your house. Mm -hmm. So, so those uh, types of things are, are, are problems for even for kids, younger kids, teenagers, a routine is, is something that is at least the five days a week or several days a week. Establishing routine is, is important and, and helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm wondering, as we're talking, it, it occurred to me, I wonder if people who have more self-discipline tend to do better in, in situations like this. Uh, it could be. It could be if you if you like self discipline, it gives you it gives you a sense of comfort and it gives you a sense of control. If you're a person who doesn't need as much control, then maybe you just go with it. And it, depending on if you can accomplish what you need to accomplish, if you're working from home, you still need to be 
working from home. So there are all kinds of different personality types. And that's why worry also different personality types. There's a type of personality called the highly sensitive personality. And like 10 Mm -hmm. to 20% of people have that. And, and those are the kind of ones that maybe fly off the, the, the handle a little bit more sounds even are, are louder. I remember taking my granddaughter to what we we have in St. Louis on the something called the magic house Mm. and it's got all these cool things to do and fun science things that you can do. Oh, neat. I took her uh, up to this one room and it was loud. There'd be like some kind of explosion and then something came down. I forget exactly what, what it was, but she put cupped her hands over her ears and she was totally upset. Other kids were loving it. Absolutely loving it. So, and I realized, you know, I think I actually fall into that category too. If I watch too many negative things or too much blood and guts, mm. that actually affects me. I see that as real. And I, so I try to back off of the negative news I try to back off of uh, those types of negative situations. But there's a concrete personality who is very, very sensitive. And so you have to be careful with what, uh, if you've got a kid or you are like that, what you expose yourself to. Mm-hmm. Is there, uh, are there any strategies for someone who's highly sensitive? So the highly sensitive person, it, it helps again to back off. If you're going to watch Netflix or binge watch something on Netflix, watch something like, um, I think it's called Heart, Heartland and where it's a, it's a Canadian based 10 years worth of episodes and it's not violence and bloodshed but there's still some good and in, intrigue uh, episodes so so back off of that it, even video games when I go over to my uh, grandkids house they're apparently uh, the other two uh, two of the three are not highly sensitive because they're on this the war games or things that are loud and explosive and, and they seem fine with that but I think if you if you or you have a child who's highly sensitive, dropping out of some of those sensory overload situations is helpful. They're also probably more sensitive, may cry more easily, may be more affected by the stress and worry of being stuck with the family. Mm-hmm. So trying to give them some space, direct more what they watch that isn't as um, as forceful, as loud, as violent those types of things are things that a parent can do. And actually, maybe even talk to a child or your your mate about if, if they're like that, you know, ways that you could uh, help them. Mm-hmm. Because some people are, they're in small apartments or small houses, and it can be, it can be difficult to have your own personal space. Well, I saw something on with a Facebook friend. She has two stepchildren and one of her own with, with her husband. And she goes down to the basement to work. I think she does uh, makes uh, T-shirts with, uh, with, with emblems on and things like that. Mm-hmm. And But apparently the basement is also where their video system is. And so yeah. she's, she was posting, if I hear this, and this is a teenage boy, I think he's probably a junior in high school and a football player. If I hear him say got ya, or something like hua or whatever, one more time, I'm just going to, you know, knock him off that console. But of course she can. And, and being a step parent, it's, it makes it a, a double uh, challenge, but <clears throat> yes. So 
to me, that's, again, a time to have family meeting and discussion and, and see if you can come up with a, a solution. Also, you might want to invest in Bluetooth headset <laughs> and have some good music on your iPod or your iPad or whatever. And yeah, sometimes that can help. I know when I'm cooking, a lot of times I'll get my Bluetooth headset because I can hear where the computers are and where they're playing computer games and it drives me nuts. So um, I'll put a book on or, you know, I like Stephen Colbert or whatever and, um, you know, listen to something while I'm cooking so I don't have to have to listen to the whatever other stuff is going on. That's a great idea. Whether they put on headphones, headphones and then you don't have to hear it or whether you do, you get into your own zone. Right. And I think Getting to creating an inner happy zone or safety zone, whatever you want to call it, being able to make that even in a confined space is, is something that that uh, many of us should be proactive about. We need to insist on nurturing and taking care of our, ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really, really important right now. I, I think it's not selfish. It's the need to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to do a very good job of helping others, your family, friends, whoever. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and if it is being selfish, too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the other thing is, is learning a lot of, you know, as women, we're, we're sort of groomed and nurtured to be selfless rather than selfish. But I think also it's important for us to be assertive for our own benefit, for our our own nurturing. We don't have to be the nurturers 100%. You know, that paradigm is starting to change a bit. And so maybe we can be leaders in in trying to be less selfless and more selfish in Mm -hmm. in a way that still accomplishes things and you get what you need to get done. But uh, if you you are not happy, if you're stressed, you're actually not going to be a good role model either. So how you handle your stresses, uh, by taking care and nurturing yourself is is a good example. Right, right. To others, it's. I think it's really important, and I think I think women especially they they seem to feel you know a lot of times like they have to sacrifice for their children or put up with a lot of I don't want to say abuse, but you know like I said a lot of times I feel like I'm not the maid. You know, you guys are treating me like I'm the maid, and. You don't need to go there. You don't need to put up with that. And you don't need to let people walk all over you. Well, I well, when I've given talks before at the medical school, school for instance, and, and some of the, the uh, female physicians would come in and, and anybody else, you know, and, and afterwards would talk to me about it, they, it's so stressful because not only do they have the job, and it's a pretty stressful job, mm-hmm. whether it's your position or anything, and then they go home and they're still the primary caretaker, or if the child gets sick, they're the ones who have the primary role of of taking care of that or taking off of work. I think I see some changes in in that. You know, there are things that are changing now where there's more shared um, responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're caught in a situation where you aren't sharing as much responsibilities, again, that's a good time to be a role model and say, we need to make some changes here because I'm not happy about this. I feel overworked. I feel overwhelmed. Let's come up with a, a plan. So again, it's the I messages, and uh, you know, I'm sorry that we have this situation, but we need to find a solution mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of idea of of uh, being 
uh, communicative about your own needs. Right. I think that's that's probably the really big thing. And I know it's always been kind of an issue for me to, you know, express my needs. And, and I can imagine that for a lot of people, either they express, either they have a difficulty expressing their needs or when they do, it's like it's so built up that it <laughs> it comes <laughs> out <laughs> yeah and this big explosion and then and then everybody gets on the defensive and you know it just kind of perpetuates things well it's like thoughts you know we have all these thoughts that are going around and ruminating in our head a lot of them are from our unconscious mind and to me thoughts uh, are like air being blown into a balloon. And uh, I even do a demo if I'm giving a, a talk and I say that, you know, thoughts are like air blowing into a balloon. It's getting bigger and bigger. So what can happen when that balloon gets full is it can pop and go and explode. But another way that thoughts, once they're filled up in, in that balloon, is I'll pull the neck of it and I'll do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's whining about it and still is not re- resolving it. So, so whether it flies off and explodes or whether it's a slow burn, the whole point is, is don't let that balloon get full. <laughs> when you start blowing up that balloon and all of the negative thoughts are starting to fill it, the time to intervene is before it gets so full that it's going to explode or it's going to come out in some way by by flying around the room if you release it or by whining if you just slowly let it out. So there are three things that could happen. That full balloon is going to explode or you release it and it just flies around the entire room. And then the third the third way is just it's whiny. So intervene earlier uh, in, in the process by becoming aware of how you're thinking and what your feelings are telling you and taking having the courage to actually act on your feelings. Right. And that's a good point because I was just going to say, if the reason that, that this balloon is expanding and expanding and, and expanding is because you're afraid to talk about it because maybe you're afraid the other person won't take it very well or go back to how you're feeling. And I think that's a big issue because especially if you if we weren't raised to be great communicators, then it's difficult in when you're an adult to actually develop that. But you can develop it. But I mean, it's just not as automatic as if you were with this. I had a friend who was Italian. He goes, we talk all the time. We're throwing our hands up. If you hurt me or you bother me, I'm going to tell you about it. I go, well, we were raised. Catholic, where nobody hurts anybody's feelings and you don't ever talk about what uh, bothers you. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a little bit different. So you have some uh, have to overcome some hurdles. Maybe for the my Italian uh, girlfriend, it was learning to be a little more diplomatic. And for me, it, it was learning to actually express negative emotion. I was great at expressing positive emotions, but having to say something that might hurt someone's feelings or might be negative, that was more of a challenge. But mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a life lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is, and it's 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 a work in progress. <laughs> exactly, and if you don't do it right, sometime, so what? You know, it's the whole point is to take little steps. And it's okay to make a mistake. We're not perfectionists if, if, if we can. 
try to do it as, as best as you can. And if you make some mistakes, it's like better to have tried than not to try at all. Better to have failed than not to try at all, right? Right. So uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. But as you begin to make those changes, you get better at it. Just like if you were were playing uh, ball or something, you get better by practicing. You don't always hit the, the home run. Sometimes you strike out. Right. Uh, you, don't, you don't build the muscle overnight. You have to do it repeatedly. So it, it's certainly worth the process, but it can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that's a, it's a perfect segue because I wanted to finish up with talking a little bit about taking risks. <laughs> yes. And it's like what, what I found... When I was overcoming um, the the anxiety that plagued me for so long, I I began to realize that I did have a choice in how I could think and how I could react. And I could change my outlook from one that's perfectionistic or blaming into into improvement. But I learned that I needed to take a risk to do the things to get me out of my comfort zone because keeping in my comfort zone is not going to move me. It's mm-hmm. like the idea that you may have heard, you know, a ship in, in Harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are meant for. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. having to take little steps, I mean, I didn't just jump immediately on the plane and go over to uh, Paris or something, you know, I couldn't <laughs> fly. It's like, I went from St. Louis to Chicago, 45 minute flight, you know, <laughs> I didn't uh-huh. die. Uh-huh. So, so I figured, okay. And whether it was overcoming travel fear or whether it was learning to express my emotions, um, taking the risk is something that helps you right now. We don't feel like we want to do any risks, but even if you say you've lost your job or you're, 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 you have issues with home life or whatnot, you're not sure what to do, by learning that you have internal power, internal power of choice, and to try to take, take various tools and just have some personal growth in, in your life, that empowers you. And taking a risk is really what is necessary to get you into your larger life, your happier life, your more adventurous life. So learning to take a risk uh, is, uh, is essential to grow. And it's just sometimes a little hard to do, but you've got to forgive yourself if you don't make it or you, you fall and get up and keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there a way to feel comfortable taking a risk and, and not throw yourself into a lot of worry about, you know, what's going to happen if I take the risk? I think one of the things that, that I used to do when I was uh, trying to overcome some of you know these issues is I would get myself into meditation or meditative state. I would envision what I wanted to have happen. Um, I could see myself, because this was some you know, travel issues, I would sit down and I would meditate. I would close my eyes and I would say things. I am strong and powerful. I am powerful and loving. I am powerful and loved and I am powerful and I love it. That was from, um, I can't think of her name right now, but it's Susan Jeffers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would spend mentally retooling time by either meditating, saying phrases. And then this is, a, this is very important feeling what it would feel like to be that way. 
So I would feel like, oh, I'm walking up, uh, going into the airplane. I'm sitting down now and I'm feeling good. And so envisioning what you want to have happen and importantly, how you want to feel about it. Those will help you when you're actually taking a risk to, to, to do something. Those steps can help program your mind ahead of time how you would like to feel. And actually, there are studies show that if you, you know, your imagination can actually create the same effect in your brain as if you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so by imagining, by putting yourself in a meditative state, uh, affirmations, feeling possible, these things are possible. Uh, and those are those are ways to to help you when you're doing something that's risky and taking small steps. I mean, no one expects the large leaps without having put in the smaller steps. And I think that helps. And, and knowing that you are the person you can run to if you do have a problem, mm. you can comfort yourself, you can nurture yourself, you can empower yourself to be OK, despite feeling afraid or stressed or worried. You are the one to run to. And building that self-empowerment is really what helps you take much more risks and over time, bigger risks. Mm -hmm. And, oh, oh, I just had a senior moment. I do this all the time. I had such a wonderful statement based on what you just said. Come on, Beth. You just back. It was a brilliant thought. We wanted that. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I did want to say is that we uh, covered quite a bit here that I think is is really important. This was a great conversation. I haven't read both of your books, but I read Why Worry, Stop Coping and Start Living. And there's so much more information in there than what we talked about. So for our listeners, if if these ideas appeal to you, I suggest you read one or both of Catherine's books. Why don't you tell the listeners about your books, how they can get them? Do you have a website? How can people you know, connect with you. Well, thanks, Janine, for mentioning that. It's uh, so uh, anxiety rescue is is no longer really available, although mm, I have okay. some copies. But uh, why worry? I, I retooled actually many of the concepts into why worry and have uh, lots of tools and strategies. I wanted to make it simple for anyone. You can go to my website, why worry book. Dot com. That's one word, whyworrybook.com. And I have links to Amazon. If you, you can see, I have a number of things on the website, including how uh, some strategies for dealing with uh, COVID-19. Or you can find uh, the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere as a book or an e-book. So I think there are so many different strategies, as as you said, that uh, there, are, there are lots of things that people can do to help themselves. And I was just happy to present some of those. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like on your website, then you also have some current writings uh, uh, that people might be interested in. Yes, I have uh, I have a blog on there, which mm. I try to, to do uh, informational, inspiring stories or, or video clips. You can check out the blog, check out the front page. I have some COVID-19 coping strategies, stress reduction strategies. Um, you can also check me out on Facebook. My Facebook handle is Catherine Tristan, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-T-R-I-S-T-A-N. 
and you can uh, I have a number of little videos and things that other resources to help you so check out my website whywordbook.com check out uh, Facebook and uh, do something to help yourself excellent advice Thank you, Catherine. This has really been fun. Um, I, I uh, had no idea really where our talk would go. And um, <laughs> I think you did a great job in directing it into just the right spaces. So I, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. Thank you. I did too. It was a lot of fun for me. It will definitely set the tone for the rest of my day. And I'll, I'll have a very uplifting day now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> This has been great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed connecting with you and I think the listeners will enjoy our conversation too. I hope they did. Thank you everyone for being here with me and thank you, Catherine Tristan, for sharing. You have so much wisdom and so many practical ideas to really help people to stop worrying and start living. Remember, the podcast website is realjanine.com, J-A-N-E-A-N. To subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And if you prefer using YouTube, I have video slideshows of all my conversations. Just search for Keeping It Real with Janine. Do you know someone who would enjoy this very informative conversation with Catherine Tristan? I'm pretty sure you do. A lot of people can be helped by listening to this. It's very inspiring. Please share the love with those you love. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well. Be well.